0: The Hobbit, chapter five, Riddles in the Dark, part one. When Bilbo opened his eyes, he wondered if he had, for it was just as dark as with them shut. No one was anywhere near him. Just imagine his fright. He could hear nothing, see nothing, and he could feel nothing except the stone of the floor. Very slowly he got up and groped about on all fours, till he touched the wall of the tunnel, but neither up nor down it could he find anything. Nothing at all. No sign of goblins, no sign of dwarves. His head was swimming, and he was far from certain even of the direction they had been going in when he had his fall. He guessed as well as he could and crawled along for a good way, till suddenly his ha- hand met what felt like a tiny ring of cold metal lying on the floor of the tunnel. It was a turning point in his career but he did not know it. He put the ring in his pocket almost without thinking. Certainly, it did not seem much of any particular use at the moment. He did not go much further, but sat down on the cold floor and gave himself up to complete miserableness for a long while. He thought of himself frying bacon and eggs in his own kitchen at home, for he could feel inside that it was high time for some meal or other but that only made him miserabler. He could not think what to do, nor could he think what had happened, or why he had been left behind, or why, if he had been left behind, the goblins had not caught him, or even why his head was so sore. The truth was he had been lying quiet, out of sight and out of mind, in a very dark corner for a long while. After some time he felt for his pipe. It was not broken and that was something. Then he felt for his pouch, and there was some tobacco in it, and that was something more. Then he felt for matches, and he could not find any at all, and that shattered his hopes completely. Just as well for him, as he agreed when he came to his senses. Goodness knows what the striking of matches and the smell of tobacco would have brought on him out of dark holes in that horrible place. Still, at the moment, he felt very crushed but in slapping all his pockets and feeling all around himself for matches, his hand came on the hilt of his little sword, the little dagger that he got from the trolls, and that he had quite forgotten. Nor fortunately had the goblins noticed it, as he wore it inside his breeches. Now he drew it out. It shone pale and dim before his eyes. So it is an elvish blade too, he thought, and goblins are not very near, and yet, not far enough. But somehow he was comforted. It was rather splendid to be wearing a blade made in goblin for the goblin wars, of which so many songs had sung. And also he had noticed that such weapons made a great impression on goblins that came upon them suddenly. Go back, he thought, no good at all. Go sideways, impossible. Go forward, only thing to do, on we go. So up he got and trotted along with his little sword held in front of him and one hand feeling the wall and his heart all of a patter and a pitter. Now certainly Bilbo was in what is called a tight place, but you must must remember it was not quite so tight for him as it would have been for me or for you. Hobbits are not quite like ordinary people, and after all, if their holes are nice, cheery places and properly aired, quite different from the tunnels of goblins, Still, they are more used to tunneling than we are, and they do not easily lose their sense of direction underground, not when their heads have recovered from being bumped. Also, they can move very quietly, and hide easily, and recover wonderfully from falls and bruises, and they have a fund of wisdom and wise sayings that men have mostly never heard or have forgotten long ago." I should not have liked to have been in Mr. Baggins' place, all the same. The tunnel seemed to have no end. All he knew was that it was still going down pretty steadily, and keeping in the same direction, in spite of a twist and a turn or two. There were passages leading off the side every now and then, as he knew by the glimmer of his sword, or could feel with his hand on the wall. Of these he took no notice, except to hurry past for fear of goblins, or half-imagined dark things coming out of them. On and on he went, and down and down, and still he heard no sound of anything except the occasional whir of a bat by his ears, which startled him at first, till it became too frequent to bother about. I do not know how long he kept on like this, hating to go on, not daring to stop, on, on, until he was tireder than tired, It seemed like all the way to tomorrow and over it to the days beyond. Suddenly, without any warning, he trotted splash into water. Ugh! it was icy cold. That pulled him up sharp and short. He did not know whether it was just a pool in the path or the edge of an underground stream that crossed the passage or the brink of a deep, dark, subterranean lake. The sword was hardly shining at all. He stopped, and he could hear, when he listened hard, drops, drip, drip, dripping, from an unseen roof into the water below, but there seemed no other sort of sound. So it is a pool or a lake, and not an underground river, he thought. Still, he did not dare to wade out into the darkness. He could not swim, and he thought, too, of nasty, slimy things, with big, bulging, blind eyes wriggling in the water. There are strange things living in the pools and lakes in the hearts of mountains. Fish whose father swam in, goodness only knows how many years ago, and never swam out again, while their eyes grew bigger and bigger and bigger from trying to see in the darkness. Also, there are other things more slimy than fish. Even in the tunnels and caves the goblins have made for themselves, there are other things living unbeknownst to them that have sneaked in from outside to lie up in the dark. Some of these caves, too, go back in their beginnings to ages before the goblins, who only widened them and joined them up with passages. And the original owners are still there in odd corners, slinking and nosing about. Deep down here by the dark water lived old Gullum, a small, slimy creature. I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. He was Gollum, as dark as darkness, except for two big round pale eyes in his thin face. He had a little boat, and he rowed about quite quietly on the lake, for lake it was, wide and deep and deadly cold. He paddled it with large feet dangling over the side, but never a ripple did he make. Not he, he was looking out of his pale, lamp-like eyes for blind fish, which he grabbed with his long fingers as quick as thinking. He liked meat too, goblin he thought good when he could get it, but he took care that they never found him out, he just throttled them from behind if they ever came down alone anywhere near the edge of the water while he was prowling about. They very seldom did, for they had a feeling that something unpleasant was lurking down there down at the very roots of the mountain. They had come on the lake when they were tunneling down long ago, and they found they could go no further. So there their road ended, in that direction, and there was no reason to go that way unless the great goblin sent them. Sometimes he took a fancy for fish from the lake, and sometimes neither goblin nor fish came back. Actually, Gullum lived on a slimy island of rock in the middle of the lake. He was watching Bilbo now from the distance, with his pale eyes like telescopes. Bilbo could not see him, but he was wondering a lot about Bilbo, for he could see that he was no goblin at all. Gollum got into his boat and shot off from the island, while Bilbo was sitting on the brink altogether flummoxed and at the end of his way and his wits. Suddenly up up came Gollum and whispered and hissed, Bless us and splash us, my precious. I guess it's a choice feast. At least a tasty morsel it'd make us, gullum. And when he said gullum, he made a horrible swallowing noise in his throat. That is how he got his name, though he always called himself my precious. The hobbit jumped nearly out of his skin when the hiss came in his ears, and he suddenly saw the pale eyes sticking out at him. "'Who are you?' he said, thrusting his dagger in front of him. "'What is he, my precious?' whispered Gollum, who always spoke to himself through never having anyone else to speak to. This is what he had come to find out, for he was not really very hungry at the moment, only curious. Otherwise he would have grabbed first and whispered afterwards, "'I am Mr. Bilbo Baggins.' I have lost the dwarves, and I have lost the wizard, and I don't know where I am, and I don't want to know, if only I can get away. What's he got in his hands? said Gullum, looking at the sword, which he did not quite like. A sword, a blade, which came out of Gondolin. <sniffs> said Gullum, and became quite polite. Perhaps he sits here and chats with it a bit, see. My precious, it likes riddles, perhaps it does does it? He was anxious to appear appear friendly, at any rate for the moment, and until he found out more about the sword and the hobbit, whether he was quite alone really, whether he was good to eat, and whether Gollum was really hungry. Riddles were all he could think of. Asking them, and sometimes guessing them, had been the only game he had ever played with other funny creatures, sitting in their holes in the long, long ago, before he lost all his friends and was driven away alone and crept down, down, into the dark under the mountains. Very well, said Bilbo, who was anxious to agree, until he found out more about the creature, whether he was quite alone, whether he was fierce or hungry, and whether he was a friend of the goblins. You ask first, he said, because he had not had time to think of a riddle. So Gollum hissed, What has roots, as nobody sees, is taller than trees. Up, up it goes, and yet never grows. Easy, said Bilbo, mountain, I suppose. Does it guess easy? It must have a competition with us, my precious. If precious asks, and it doesn't answer, we eats it, my precious. If it asks us, and we doesn't answer, then we does what it wants, eh? We chose it the way out. Yes. All right, said Bilbo, not daring to disagree and nearly bursting his brain to think of riddles that could save him from being eaten. Thirty white horses on a red hill. First they champ, then they stamp, then they stand still. That was all he could think of to ask. The idea of eating was rather on his mind. It was rather an old one, too, and Gollum knew the answer as well as you do chestnuts, chestnuts, he hits, teeth, teeth, my precious, but we has only six. Then he asked his second, voiceless it cries, wingless flutters, toothless bits, mouthless mutters. Half a moment, cried Bilbo, who was still thinking uncomfortably about eating. Fortunately, he had once heard something rather like this before, and getting his wits back, he thought of the answer, Wind. Wind, of course," he said, and he was so pleased that he made up one on the spot. This'll puzzle the nasty little underground creature," he thought. An eye in a blue face saw an eye in a green face. That eye is like to this eye," said the first eye, "but in low place, not in high place." Sssss," said Gullum. He had been underground a long time and was forgetting this sort of sort of thing. But just as Bilbo was beginning to hope that the wretch would not be able to answer, Gollum brought up memories of ages and ages and ages before when he lived with his grandmother in a hole in a bank by a river. Sss, my precious, he said, sun on the daisies it means it does. But these ordinary, above-ground, everyday sorts of riddles were tiring for him. Also they reminded him of days when he had been less lonely and sneaky and nasty, and that put him out of temper. What is more, they made him hungry, so this time he tried something a bit more difficult and more unpleasant. It cannot be seen, cannot be felt, cannot be heard, cannot be smelt. It lies behind stars and under hills, and empty holes it fills. It comes first, and follows after, ends life, kills laughter. Unfortunately for Gollum, Bilbo had heard that sort of thing before, and the answer was all around him anyway. Dark, he said, without even scratching his head, or putting on his thinking cap. About A box without hinges, key or lid, yet golden treasure inside his head. He asked to gain time, until he could think of a really hard one. This he thought a dreadfully easy chestnut, though he had not asked it in the usual words. But it proved a nasty poser for Gullum. He hissed to himself, and still he did not answer. He whispered and spluttered. After some time, while Bilbo became impatient. Well, what is it? He said. The answer's not a kettle boiling over, as you seem to think from the noise you are making. Give us a chance, let it let it give us a chance, my precious sss, sss. well, said Bilbo, after giving him a long chance, what about your guess? But suddenly Gollum remembered thieving from nests long ago, and sitting under the river bank, teaching his grandmother, teaching his grandmother to psych. Eggs, he hissed. Eggs it is. Then he asked, Alive without breath, as cold as death never thirsty, ever drinking, all in mail, never clinking. He also in his turn thought this was a dreadfully easy one because he was always thinking of the answer, but he could not remember anything better at the moment. He was so flustered by the egg question. All the same, it was a poser for poor Bilbo who never had anything to do with the water if he could help it. I imagine you know the answer, of course, or can guess it as easy as winking since you are sitting comfortably at home and have not <clears throat> the danger of being eaten to disturb your thinking bilbo sat and cleared his throat once or twice but no answer came after a while Gullum began to hiss with pleasure to himself is it nice my precious is it juicy is it scrumptiously crunchable he began to peer at bilbo out of the darkness "'Half a moment,' said Bilbo, shivering. "'I gave you a good long chance just now.' "'It must make haste, haste,' said Gullum, "'beginning to climb out of his boat onto the shore "'to get at Bilbo. "'But when he put his long, webby foot in the water, "'a fish jumped out in a fright and fell on Bilbo's toes. "'Ugh!' he said. "'It is cold and clammy.' "'And so he guessed. "'Fish! Fish!' he cried. "'It is fish!' Gollum was dreadfully disappointed, but Bilbo asked another riddle as quick as ever he could so that Gollum had to get back into his boat and think. No legs lay on one leg, two legs sat near on three legs, four legs got some. It was not really the right time for this riddle, but Bilbo was in a hurry. Gollum might have had some trouble guessing it if he had not asked it at another time. As it was talking of fish, No legs was not so very difficult, and after that, the rest was easy. Fish on a little table, man at a table sitting on a stool, the cat has the bones. That, of course, is the answer, and Gullum soon gave it. Then he thought the time had come to ask something hard and horrible. This is what he said. This thing all things devours, birds, bees, trees, flowers, gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stones to meal, slays king, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. Poor Bilbo sat in the dark, thinking of all the horrible names of all the giants and ogres he had ever heard told of in tales, but not one of them had done all these things. He had a feeling that the answer was quite different and that he ought to know it, but he could not think of it. He began to get frightened, and that is bad for thinking. Gollum began to get out of his boat. He flapped into the water and paddled to the bank. Bilbo could see his eyes coming towards him. His tongue seemed to stick in his mouth. He wanted to shout out, give me more time, give me time. But all that came out with a sudden squeal was time, time. Bilbo was saved by pure luck. For that, of course, was the answer end of part one.